You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. This episode is brought to you by Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. Join us on August 11th at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum for a celebration of hope featuring guest speaker Tim Tebow and musical artist Ben Fuller. Find out more and get your tickets at hia10.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, host, back with another episode up at Galadia today. Uh, I have a member on the podcast, a fellow member on the podcast, uh, someone whose story is very similar to mine. Uh, please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Corey Hale. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Uh, we really haven't played that much golf together. We should play more. Correct. We're also in similar industries, which makes us really busy and can't do our own schedules. But um, finally, I think we teed it up in Jimmy Austin was the first time, which is hilarious that yeah. the first time we played together wasn't at our own club. Uh, but yeah, uh, Corey's from Australia, so you got another person to listen to that sounds funny for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> and... Uh, also a golfer so like I said very similar story to mine um, I mean do you miss Australia? I do um, obviously miss family everyone's back home still um, I grew up in Newcastle which is two hours north of Sydney east okay. coast of Australia uh, on the ocean so I miss surfing uh, miss family uh, lots of good golf back home but yeah it's uh, it's nice being over here. It's home now. Yeah. Is it Sunbelt? Is it Sunbelt? Is that what they call it? Sandbelt? Uh, Sandbelt. Is it Sandbelt uh, golf? That's more down in Melbourne. Okay. Um, that's where our best golf courses are. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely sandy terrain um, right on the ocean there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's more city lifestyle, I guess you could say. Is that similar to here then, where you grew up? Like golf course-wise? Yeah, not as many private golf courses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more public. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like golf courses like Parkland, not Lynx. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I grew up kind of, it's a mix of both. It has a little, it's a Lynx style. Yeah. Um, nine holes that goes back up onto the 
onto the ocean there. Um, but the front nine's more Parkland style. Yeah. Where does your golf story start? What's your first memory in the golf? Uh, I guess just growing up uh, with dad. Dad was a golfer um, as long as I can remember. Yeah. Uh, he's a true left-hander. I'm actually a right. A lot of people don't know this, but I'm actually a true right-hander. So watching him when I was five, six, seven years old, I just assumed that's how you hit the golf ball. Okay. Left-handed. So when it was time for me to start, I'd already been swing, swinging the club like that, and that was my dominant yeah. dominant side. So um, he got me into golf when I was 12, which looking back on it now, it's that's pretty late. Um, sure, yeah, in the grand, but, I, yeah, in the grand but, scheme of things. But it's back late. then, you couldn't join a club or you couldn't start unless you were 12 years old. Okay. So that was the minute... I hit 12, my, my birthday, he, he signed me up for golf lessons, and um, that's kind of how I got into it. Yeah, for me it was, there were two golf courses, one my granddad played, and you couldn't join until you were 12, but you could play as like an associate member as long as you're with an adult, adult if yep. you were under 12, Sure. and you had to be like 8 to 12, and then my golf course my dad played at, um, I joined there for my 8th birthday, because you had to be 8 to right. be a member. Yeah. And like, it's the greatest day ever. Yeah. Right? Your 8th birthday, you're like, I'm literally playing golf, sun yeah. up to sun down. <laughs> like, the best thing in the world. Uh, other than Dad, do you have like, family that plays as well then? No, I, I grew up, um, all my family, my mom and dad, and uncles, cousins, they're all sailors. Um, I tried, tried that once wasn't a huge fan of it no once once was enough and um i i played uh rugby league soccer a bunch of different sports growing up mm -hmm. um and then dad got me into golf and eventually golf took over when i was roughly 14 yeah safer to play golf it was than much play yeah. rugby league i was playing rugby yeah. league and everyone was growing quicker than i was and <laughs> Everyone was starting to get injured around that 14 year, years old mark, and I was like, that, "That's enough for me." Yeah, I kind of the same for me. I like, I had a, I, I grew a little faster. I think the most I went tall, but I didn't fill out like everybody else did. So I was just a beanpole. That I was like, "That's just not good to be playing." I was, just, I was the same way. I was, I was skinny and tall, but yeah. I, I just got smashed. Yeah, it's not. I do miss like just being around that and I was never big into like that rugby league culture anyway but I do miss being around the, the school boys that were because they're always a yeah. great laugh right yeah. it's always good there's always something something's going to happen if you're around Correct. a bunch of rugby players yep. whether it's every, drinking or something yep. stupid every time every time <laughs> uh, you mentioned surfing yep. obviously that's huge in Australia yep. um, everyone loves the water in Australia do you still I mean have you been down to River Sport in Oklahoma City to try and get on the uh, machine? Down I there? haven't done the machine yet. Um, we've done the um, what's the other one that that opened up the whitewater rafting. Oh yeah, we did that a few years ago. Okay. That was really cool, um, but still haven't been down to the yeah. surfing concept yet. God, I'm terrible at swimming, and swimming surfing in Wales yep. was better for people in the winter because for some reason the sea is warmer in the winter than it is in the summer. Yep. I had no idea until all my buddies were like, yeah, we're going surfing. Like, it's 30 degrees outside and it's raining. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's great in the water. Yeah. Like, that makes no sense to <laughs> me. Uh, the, in Australia, the waves, the waves are a lot better in, in winter. Yeah. Um, the surf is a lot calmer mm -hmm. with the offshore wind. The, the waves hold up a lot, a lot better. So, 
that the waves are much bigger and better in, in the winter. And obviously you've got, you know, big surf competitions coming to town as well. We so do. it's you know, yeah. not just, you know, three or four foot waves off sure. the coast, you know, in yeah. Wales. It's like yeah. legit. Sure. Yeah. Um, so golf at 12, uh, when does, when do you really think that, man, I'm good at this? Like, do you immediately kind of get, take after it or does it so, kind of come to you later? 12, basically the program back home in Australia at the time, um, so dad signed me up for golf le- beginner golf lessons with other kids mm-hmm. um, it was a 10 or 12 week golf uh, course yeah. uh, for one hour every Sunday um, so we did that and then up, once you graduated from that you went to a nine hole competition mm-hmm. every Sunday morning which was really cool you'd get up at 6.30 in the morning on Sunday, go play nine holes with 25, 35 other kids, come in, have a presentation, um, and then go have a one-hour golf lesson with with a pro. So that was really cool. Did that for, I guess, a year to 18 months, and then they basically tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, you've progressed. You're now good enough to join the club. How good Uh, is that? So it was... It was a great introduction into yeah. golf. Yeah, why, why didn't more people not right. do that? And the good thing when you join the club, and I was fortunate that my dad was a member, uh-huh. I could just go play with him and his buddies. His buddies were great to me growing up and allowed me to join in whenever whenever they played. So that was a, a cool introduction for me. Um, so when I was 13, 14, I was just playing Saturday, Sunday comps with my dad. School holidays, I played Wednesday comp. Um, but I was there basically every day during school holidays. And then yeah. when I was 14, I guess that's when I can say I started to get a lot better. Um, I won the club championships when I was 14 and nine months. Nice. Which was that's a good the, the only reason I know that was I was the youngest to ever win at that at that point. So that's yeah. why I know it was fourteen and nine months. Do you still have that record? I do. Nice. I do. Um, so I think I got down to scratch during that time. I think I shot my first under par round during the club championships that I won then. Um, and then I started to play more junior golf tournaments across the state and got into uh, the New South Wales State Development okay. squad and then eventually got into the state team and yeah. and then we were traveling everywhere at that point. That's what's great about like, Wales is very similar to that, is you know, you, you play for your club, right? You play, you make for your club team and then you make like your state team and then you travel, right? Like, and it's always, for us, it was foursomes in the morning, singles in, in the afternoon, yeah. right? And there'd be a 10-man team. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah. Like, and back home, like your state team is un, is aged, it's like under 14s, 16s, 18s, and then men's team. Yeah. It's just, ah, there's so many great memories from traveling, just it's, playing games like that. Absolutely. It's kind of like a junior Ryder Cup or a yeah. Walker Cup or it's mm-hmm. something of that nature. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like the when I got in the development team, it was probably 15 and 16 years old. And then, if you were good enough or lucky, you'd maybe get in the the, the state team yeah. when you were 16 or 17. And then junior golf was over when you'd turned 18. Right. Yeah. So what um, what's the state team called for you? 
so I, I grew up in the state of New South Wales. Okay. And that's where Sydney is. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and the other thing people probably will know listening is Australia's like golf program, like the, the national team is very, very good yep. compared to pretty much everywhere else in the world. Like yeah. they're amazing. We have to develop players in that system because of our population. Okay. Um, we only roughly have 28, less than 30 million people. Yeah. Where in the US, we have roughly 330 million. Right. And most of the population in Australia is around the same area. Correct. Rather than Correct. Like so half of it, more than half is more, just yeah. nowhere. Right? Exactly. You don't want to go. You Big spiders and kangaroos. There's not a lot in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we kind of have to go through that path to develop players to get them to a, a decent level yeah. to then figure out where they want to go in golf if they want to take it further yeah um but i think that's why you see a lot of guys that get to corn ferry or european tour or the pga tour when they get there they generally stay there yes um they've been given all the resources and information and training their whole junior career um and they're pretty prepared uh, once they get there yeah that's kind of what I noticed as well is like you know for us in the UK we'd play some of the bigger amateur tournaments in the UK and you'd always have like South Africans Australians and, and guys from New Zealand the Kiwis would just come over for the summer yeah which is your winter right. effectively right? right but still like you're gonna have money and funding for that oh. and you'd bring like you know five to ten guys over yeah and like how are you guys doing this so, how do I do this yeah. <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> But I'm trying to find, there's a kid who made his pro debut at the Corn Ferry Tournament in, in uh, Jimmy Austin. He's 18. I don't know if he's South African. He might be South African. But he, may, he he's basically had like the greatest 12 months ever. He won British Am, played US Open, Masters, or Masters US Open. And then, um, you know, after the US Open turned pro and his first event was Corn Ferry, and he's 18, 19 years old. Yeah. Like, what a hero. And it's so it's so different. And he looked out, comfortable out there too. Yeah, and that's they're so prepared and just ready to go. Yeah. Um, but here in the U.S., you kind of you finish, you, you just go to, to college, and then you're a couple of years behind. Yeah. Um, behind's the wrong word, but you're a couple of years older by the time sure. you turn ten pro. Yeah, um, you're 23, 24, yeah. where some of these kids are coming out with 18, 19, 20. Like you look at. Um, uh, what's his name Neiman right yeah and Ak- Akshay Akshay was like I'm not going to college I'm going to turn pro yeah and now he's you know on the tour now after three years of grinding right which you know some of these kids he would be what a junior in college right I mean I like both both programs I mean obviously in the US most people go to college here and yeah. if you're a golfer you'd, you're more than likely you're at a pretty good program mm-hmm. um, once again all the resources training uh, you get flown all over the country, play golf tournaments. So, yeah. For once you graduate, great. you're 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 ready to go as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for for me and for me, it was amazing. It was the opportunity to get out of Wales, and not that that was a bad thing, but it was just yeah. an opportunity to just travel, right, and uh, yeah. get an education, and then you know I end up living here. Right. So how how for you then do you transition to you know thinking you know what I don't want to go to college in Australia. I want to go to college in the states. Were you it, older when you came here? I was 18. Okay. It's actually a funny story. Um, I wasn't thinking of going to college. It wasn't really in the in my mind. Um, I just graduated high school and I was up at 
up at schoolies, which is basically a spring break. Okay. Um, when you graduate in Australia high school, everyone goes away and just parties for a week. So, um, I go up there. I'm. It's probably the second day. I just turned 18, and my mum and dad call me and said, "Hey, Ringy Gibson just called. Who's a good friend of mine. He's obviously we both know him. He lives over here now from Australia, but we grew up together in the same state." playing junior golf so he he calls my parents and says hey may have an opportunity for Corey at Oklahoma Christian mm-hmm. would he be interested so mom and dad call me and I'm partying with my friends like I'm not thinking about anything so I said to mom I was like when do I need to be there what are the details she said you need to be there in three weeks so I need to know in the next 48 hours because we need to apply for student visas paperwork yeah. It's like, oh gosh. So I said to my my friends, I was like, guys, I'm just I'm staying in tonight. I I got some pretty big decisions to make. Um, after going back and forth all night, I didn't sleep all night. And then I finally got a couple of hours sleep, and I woke up and I just called called mum and dad, and I was like, you know what? Let's do it. I'm I'm gonna gonna go over to America. I had no idea what Oklahoma was. Knew nothing about Oklahoma Christian. Um, so we applied for the visa, did all the paperwork, and I was in the U.S. three weeks later. That's wild. Yeah. Because that's not like everybody else's story. No, every, generally, everyone right? has a plan. Yeah. Like, like this like, was just literally, I made a decision in 48 hours, and three weeks later I was in the coldest place I've ever been. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you came, so you started your first semester I in January. I started in January. And that's another funny story. Um, so we, I land in LA. My flight gets cancelled to Oklahoma because so I was meant to land roughly four or five p.m. as you normally do. Yeah. I get in at midnight. Coach land, Rian are at the airport to pick me up. We drive back to the, to school. Coach says I'll pick you up at eight o'clock in the morning for breakfast, and we'll go around drive around school. So I wake up. There's a foot of snow on the ground. I'd never seen snow before. <laughs> so it was already the coldest place I've ever been. And then uh, two days later, we're playing golf at Oak Tree National. Um, so that, that, that was a pretty crazy few days. Yeah, welcome to Oklahoma. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then, so we had qualifying for, it's a long time ago, but I'm guessing two or three weeks. Um, I made it, made it on the team, and then we go play San Diego. So that was a place that's familiar. Yeah. Well, I'd never been there, but the environment, climate. climate was familiar. Green grass, leaves on trees, 70 degrees, no wind. Um, so that was good. Then we come back to, to Oklahoma for one week, and then we went to Connecticut to play up at Yale. And on the 16th hole, it starts snowing. So I'm in the restroom. I, I got no feeling in my hands. I can't feel my face. I'm, I've never experienced conditions like this. Um, so I'm in the restroom on the 16th hole, just hot water, just trying to get feeling in my hands. And Coach Lynn walks in and just starts laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it was, oh, it, was awesome. it was pretty funny. 
That is brilliant. Uh, yeah, because I thought mine was kind of rushed, and I made the decision in May. <laughs> yeah, generally is you know late on you know on average. Uh, but man, that's uh, so. What did someone just drop out? Did someone just not show up? So they had funds available. You yes. Know, like- so back then they were NAIA. Yeah. Um, they're now D two. Uh-huh. So recruiting and scholarships were a lot different. Um, so coach generally recruited international guys and you see that a lot yes um in that conference back then like oklahoma city had a lot of mm-hmm. internationals everyone we played had a lot of internationals we had that year that, that i was on the team it was reen and i both from australia we had a guy from argentina a guy from bolivia and one guy on the team from lubbock texas mm-hmm. but we still had one in the squad we had two guys from England, a guy from Scotland. There was a lot of internationals on the yeah. team. So that's kind of, he re, he was looking on the international stage, I guess you can sure. say. Um, and then Rian kind of, I guess, threw my hat in the ring and I got a phone call. Yeah. That's like for a coach, that's some of the greatest ways to recruit is just ask you of players. Like, who do you know that you, you can play with? Who, right. who, who can play? Exactly, right? yeah. And no player is going to say someone that they you know right. don't value right. Yeah, right. Like, they're, they're trust it. Usually good at or decent at golf, and yeah. you get on really well with them. Yeah, because it's I mean it's such a gamble, you know, as a coach, right? Like make a video. Like well, the way I had to do it was I had to make a video and send it to a bunch of people, and like one of the coaches like, oh yeah, you look decent. Like I'll offer you a scholarship. Like, yeah. I hit that shot like eight times. Yep. You know, like nobody knows that, right? <laughs> and and it was like, you know, I, I, I hit a couple of good ones like the first, second time or whatever, but still, like, right. it's such a gamble, you know? It's, it's a huge gamble. Coach Lynn, I don't recall ever sending videos or anything. Right. Yeah. He basically went through, word of mouth through Rian. Right. Um, took a huge chance on me and... Um, I didn't graduate, but um, I'm very thankful for it because it honestly changed my life. That's the reason why I'm here. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's and I think it's easier. Obviously, if you're a D1 or you're a bigger school, it's easier because the kids that you're generally going after, you've locked them in before they've even graduated. They've got a will ranking. They're yeah. traveling as a you know they probably play for the national team. Yeah. But like that, you know, that NAIA to, to Division Two, II, Division Three, or even lower D1, you just like flicking coin like oh, yeah. hoping for the best yep. right yeah. Um, but yeah it's it you know it changed my life too coming here and just having that opportunity and that chance how long had Reen been on the team at that point was he in his how are you guys close in age uh, he's two years older than me okay. so he was either he was about to be a junior sophomore or just going into junior yeah, yeah. so good to come out here and, and yeah first day wake up it's snowing it was <laughs> It was insane. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget that morning. A uh, coach took me to the McDonald's in front of the school there on Memorial and Bryant, I think it is. Yeah. But yeah, I'll I'll always I'll always remember that morning. So awesome. And he's still around. He's, he's still AD. around. He's he's a great coach, great guy right? and he does a does a hell of a job. Yeah. Yeah, I know I mean the new facility that came what five, six years ago was incredible and now he was the the A D now. He's right? A D now. Um yeah. still runs a, the golf program. Um but yeah, the facility's incredible. I wish we had that when and Rain and I have spoken a bunch about it. I know he uses it during winter because yeah. obviously it's not great here to 
practice for professional golf, right. but it would have been nice to have that back when when we were in yeah in in school. So at, during your first semester, like once you go through basically you know the spring semester and you do all that, do you like are you like I cannot wait to get home for the summer? I the first couple of months I was okay, and then I got really homesick. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I, was, I did too. I was really homesick. Um, I was to the point I was counting down the days. Yeah. Um, I come from a very close family, and given I, that I made my decision in 48 hours, it wasn't a planned thing. Yeah. Um, I just I got here really quickly, and I just don't think I was ready for it. Mm-hmm. It was a a culture shock, and I'm, that's the first time I've been away for that long from from my family. Yeah. Um, so I, I couldn't wait to get to go back. Um, but yeah, that's. I love the golf. I love I I loved everything about the U.S. Uh-huh. But I was just homesick. Yeah. What's the time difference? Is it eighteen? It's sixteen hours. Sixteen hours. Yes. So, is it because it, it's currently. 1.15 a.m. on Saturday morning. Okay. So it's not so bad where, like, you can... There are certain... There's a block in the day here where you're, like, everyone's up back home, like, can FaceTime or whatever. Yeah, so back Generally. then... Back then, there was no FaceTime. Skype or whatever it, it was, It was, right? uh, It was Skype, and I basically purchased phone cards yes. that uh, I could just call at any time. Yeah. Um, it was a little difficult back then because mum and dad were both working back then they're now retired so I talk to them every day now it's easy you got FaceTime I can text through Viber or WhatsApp any time of day but back then I had to wait until Uh 11pm to call them they were just getting off work and then really early of the morning yeah so it was I was always awake right I didn't really I mean every college students they don't really sleep great but right um I had to stay up so I could talk to family and friends. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had the same, like, I, I missed home, and I didn't play my, I, I got here and I was ineligible when I got here, yeah. and I didn't know that until I got here, which sucked. Yep. Um, so my, the worst thing for me was, like, on the weekends, like, I played golf, you know, my, I still played with the team Monday to Friday, but on the weekends, after 6 p.m., the difference was six hours, so, like, you know, 5, 6 p.m. was when everyone's going to bed. Yeah. It's like, oh, now what do I do? Yeah. Like, that it's hard to explain that like missing home yeah right like it's kind of like a gut it's like a sick feeling yeah you know it's like there's nothing you can do about it there's nothing you can do about it you can't get home quick yeah um you're in school so you just you just can't pack up and leave um but yeah it was it was a tough feeling back then for sure how was college career i was only here in 06 um I moved back to Australia. Like I said, I yeah, didn't I, graduate. I was pretty homesick. I, I didn't graduate. It was um, coach gave me time to go home and kind of figure out if if I wanted to come back. Um, as soon as I got home, I knew that I was staying. Um, so I I sent him an email just thanking him for for everything that he'd done for me and just telling him that I wouldn't wouldn't be coming back. Uh, during that time, I didn't know what I was what I was going to do next. And then uh, the guy that actually coached me, going back to when I was twelve for those beginner golf lessons, he had just taken over as a head golf pro- professional mm-hmm. at my home club at, at Belmont Golf Club. Um, so him and his business partner uh, Graham and Kurt 
they needed a trainee golf professional. So I basically um, sat down with them and they offered me a job and I did my PGA membership course. Yeah. So I did that. That would have been 2007 to 2009. So basically play, play your Monday golf tournament for money. Uh-huh. Not a lot of money, but it was, I think the winner may have got a thousand bucks. Um, so you'd play that on a Monday and then I'd basically work Tuesday to Sunday. Yeah. And that was roughly 40 hours. That could be in the golf shop. It could be five hours of coaching included. It was yeah. a number of different things. Yeah. At that point, you think this is it. This is my career now. Like I'm kind of happy where I'm at. I got my people around me. I'm home. Like I'm, I'm going to be a teaching professional. Absolutely. I was really comfortable. That's a club that I grew up in since I was yeah. 12. I knew everyone. As soon as I got into that role, I... I met all the lady members, all the, the senior members. I literally knew every member, as yeah. most head pros do. Yeah. Um, so I was super comfortable in that environment and area. I thought, exactly, this is it. I'm happy here. Um, I finished that in 2009, and then I was the assistant pro 2010. I was making a lot, a lot better money. Co- I was coaching yeah. maybe 20 hours a week, maybe... 15 to 20 hours in the shop so that changed a lot where I was actually outdoors and I was doing what I wanted right um, so I was really enjoying that and then I had a lot of friends that were turning pro and actually traveling back to the US or, or in Europe uh-huh. um, and then I just started playing more golf and I was I was like you know what I, I, I may may still have it um and then the last year, sorry, to go back a year, uh, the end, in 2009, I come second in the Australian Trainee Championships. The guy that beat me was from England. Okay. And the top Australian in the Australian Trainee Championships, they get a start in the Australian PGA, okay. which is now co-sanctioned with the European Tour. Back yeah. then, it was just an Australian Tour sure. event. So that was my big... Um, it was eye-opening to because you got Adam Scott, John oh, yeah. Sander, and Greg Chalmers, um, all those Aaron Badley, Appleby, Allenby, yeah. all the Aussie guys used to come back then because that was before the PGA Tour wraparound season. Okay. So that that kind of opened my eyes, and then I started playing a lot more in 2010 when I was the assistant pro, uh-huh. and then I told my my bosses I was like, I'm going back to America. Yeah. So, so you we, came over here as to, to play like APT and yeah. So January two thousand and eleven, uh, Reen and I were talking. He was playing back then. It was the Hooters tour. Yeah. Um, they were playing for roughly two hundred thousand per week. It's a lot different compared to now. Uh-huh. Um, I think we had eighteen events on the schedule. Uh, m- most of it was on the east coast of the US there's maybe two events in Houston um, but yeah I, I come over January 2011 I live with Rian and Nancy uh, they were kind enough to let me live with them for 12 or 18 months and Rian and I basically just played the Hooters tour <laughs> so. living the dream <laughs> yeah so. that, um, 
So you came over on a on a what is it a P one athlete visa? Yeah. So because it was it wasn't affiliated with the PGA Tour, yeah. um, I had to get a B one B two visa, which is kind of a it's a tourist slash business visa. So you can still a, make money. It's you can only be here for a period of time, but you can make money yeah. in your profession only, gotcha. your industry. So yeah. I could only play golf. I couldn't coach golf. I could only play for prize money. Right. Um, so you come back over here. Uh, are you living with Reen and Auntie in Oklahoma and then traveling to the East Coast every yeah. time? Yeah. So Reen, uh, we were living at their house in Edmond. Yeah. Um, and then Reen and I would drive to the East Coast every two weeks. Yeah. And we'd drive out there would drive back for a week and then drive back out there. How long did you do that for? Too long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably two and a half years. Okay. Two and a half years. Um, so that was great, great experience. It was, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I played awful the first six months. I missed a lot of cuts, spent mm-hmm. a lot of money. Um, and then I, I started, I got on a bit of a roll where I was making cuts every week and um, it was a lot more enjoyable. Um, I would basically stay here. I'd I'd go back to Australia three or four times a year. Um, I'd stay here until the end of October and then as soon as it started to get cold here, I'd go back to Australia because it was the summer. Right. That's kind of the perfect scenario for you I had five years of summer only. Yeah. <laughs> so like that was leaving that, the sunshine yeah. and going to go meet the sunshine. Yeah. So not dealing with Oklahoma yeah. winds and ice storms. Yeah. 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 So that, that was perfect. And then uh, 2012, I went to Australian uh, qualifying school for the Australasian tour. Got my card there. So I had status down there every year, probably until 2017, I think. Yeah. So I'd always go back for three or four months during during yeah. Christmas what um, back to playing in the RCPGA what was that like just to like was that your first time big event yeah yeah um, it was eye opening just showing up and you see all the guys that you've looked up to on TV um, you got two two reps there giving you free stuff unbelievable players lounge chiropractor massage um someone stretching you I was like wow this is this is what they do every week yeah. it was it was pretty eye opening um, and then I, I had a bunch of friends and family come up that week so that that made it really special so yeah uh, tell me about going to China because you played PJ Tour China right I did that's got to be an experience there has to be some stories from it PJ was, Tour China it was quite the experience who did um, you travel with I traveled with, my first year I traveled with a couple of Australians um, and then I met a bunch of guys from the US and we, we eventually just traveled all, all together. Um, my roommate last last year was Charlie Saxon, okay. obviously we, we all know him, he's from OU uh, on the Corn Ferry. Um, but yeah, there was, there was a bunch of, bunch of guys from the US. I'd, I'd say out of the whole field call it 140, 150 guys. There was probably 10 to 15 guys from the US, maybe 10 Australians, 10 guys from Europe and South Africa, and then the rest were Chinese yeah. players. Yeah. So those was, was a decent amount of international guys. Yeah. How long did you do that for? 
I played in China 2000. So we got married in 2017. So it would have been 2017, 18, 19. Okay. So fairly recent. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I, I quit basically just before COVID. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty recent. Yeah. So, I mean, you're over there. You mentioned you got married before you went over there. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously you're living with Reen. You meet your wife. Yeah. You get married. Easiest way to a visa, maybe. <laughs> Shout out to those who got married for a green card. There's two of them in this room. Um, Taryn, I love you. Uh, she doesn't listen, so it's fine. Um, yeah, so, so you guys get married, and then you think, uh, I'm going to go give PJ Tour China a, a will, because that then would lead you to Colin Frary or web.com, whatever it was at the time. Yeah. And that's your, that's your way then, actively, to the PJ Tour. Yeah. I mean, what? Tell me about China. What's the stories you have? It must be just, it's, I've been to Japan once um, and it was the biggest culture shock I've ever had. Yeah. And I loved it. What was China like? China was interesting. It was, it's, as you mentioned, it's, it's run by the PJ Tour. So um, you have, well, back then you had PJ Tour China, uh, the Canadian Tour, which I think is called Mackenzie Tour. Yeah. And Latin America. They all feed into now the Corn Ferry uh-huh. Tour. So it was owned and operated by the PJ Tour here in the US. So we had all American rules officials, executives, yeah. guys living over there full time. So they they took care of us unbelievably. Um, we basically just had to fly there, get to the event. They would basically bus and shuttle us around from hotel to golf course. And then if we if there was a, the next event was within say four hours we would all just get on a couple of buses and and go to the next event how good is that it wasn't always like that there was times where you had to fly six hours china i didn't realize how big china was but it feels like every flight is three and a half hours (laughs) yeah um so the tour the tour was great they did an unbelievable job um they did their best with um player lunches and uh, the locker room just trying to make you as comfortable as possible um, but yeah, communicating it was it was very difficult. How's your Chinese? Not very good. <laughs> Not good Still the same as 2017. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you, I, we got in some certain situations where you're in an Uber or a taxi, and you it wasn't an Uber; it was basically just a taxi. But yeah. you you can't communicate. You're basically just pointing at your phone, saying, "I need to get here," yeah. and they have no idea what you're saying. So it was it it was pretty interesting. I remember my first night in China. I was for the Q school. I flew over there. Uh-huh. I get in at like one a.m. Um, stay in this independent hotel. It's not like a Marriott. It's not like a Hilton. Right. It's just a some guy who just died, decided to open yeah. the hotel. Yeah, couldn't speak a lick of English. I can't speak any any Chinese. I get in there. The room key. It, it, I got in the door, yeah. but the lights don't work. I, I couldn't figure out the the shower. Uh-huh. So I just flew like 20 hours, and I just like, you know what, I'm just going to bed. And then I got up the next morning, I was meeting a friend that was flying in from New Zealand, and then we were going to travel together. Yeah. So I get back on a bus with, I'm guessing, maybe 60, 60 people. Yeah. 
they all just look at me. I've got golf clubs. They all just got normal luggage. You feel and, like a giant over there? Yeah. Yeah. And everyone just stares at you. <laughs> so the bus was was meant to go back to the airport, yeah. and I was just going to get off, meet my, my friend at baggage claim, and then we'll travel to the tournament. And I had no idea where I was going. Like, I was hoping the bus was going to the airport. Thankfully, it did. Yeah. But if it didn't, like, I'd... Who knows where it would have ended up. <laughs> uh, so many great stories from that, though, right? So many yeah. just, you know, traveling with the guys. Is, it's nothing better than traveling right. with a good group of dudes. Yeah. Right. It was, and that's kind of what what kept you going. I'll, I'll be honest. There was, there was some weeks that were really difficult. Like, they, they did a wonderful job with host hotels. We would get really cheap rates at call it Marriott, Hilton, whatever they were. Uh-huh. But they were, they were nice hotels. But the weeks that we were out of the city and in a crappy hotel and the food was not great, I mean, they would, you're there for a week and it, it's a long seven days. That's tough. But that is tough. You, you relied on breakfast and lunches and guy, uh, hanging out with the guys at dinner, yeah. kind of talking about your day and what's going on at home. Um, that's kind of what, what got you through. Did, uh, did Kelly come over to China? She didn't, no. She, I, we had one really cool event that was just, that really, it was our tour championship. And it was in Hong Kong at Clearwater Bay. And Clearwater Bay is kind of like the pebble beach of Asia. Okay. Um, there's a lot of money there. The, the membership welcomed us. They would ju- just do a, a hell of a job. The golf course was amazing. So I always told her, if you're going to come over, you need to come to that one. Um, it, di- it didn't work out. Uh, she, she never came over to, to China or Hong Kong, but um, my family, mum and dad, uh, they traveled to my last last event in Hong Kong. So yeah. that, that was cool. That is awesome. Uh, do you miss it? I miss the competition yeah I don't miss the travel um I don't miss practice rounds and preparing but I I do miss the Thursday to Sunday yeah yeah it's and especially when you go watch a golf tournament now and like or you watch it on TV and you're just like I played against those guys I might have beaten some of those guys at yeah. the time you're like why aren't I there yeah <laughs> it, it's such a bad feeling when it, it is but I felt like that for, for a while yeah um you you play with a lot of guys over the years and you've beaten them or you're, you feel like you're just as good as them. Yeah. Um, and then they make it on tour and then they, they may win on tour and make a million bucks or whatever. Right. Um, and it makes you, makes you think about it. But, yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't thought about that for a long time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just, you know, yeah. I've had that moment a couple of times and now I don't really think about it that much either. Cause you know, like like you said earlier, like so much to be grateful for being out here, and yeah, you know, like obviously me and Cali is huge for you, and and just being in Oklahoma, like it's, you know, and I know your dad's just been in town for a long time. And yeah, it's uh, my brother was here a couple of weeks ago, and like they love it here, and it's yeah. great to have a place where they can come over and have a, a vacation rather than like us going to a mutual place we know oh yeah let's just go somewhere together yeah. like yeah. when they come to you like it's it's nice to host right? it's nice to show off where you live and, yeah. and there's no bad place right now but yeah. for us anyway than, than where we are yeah no it's 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 a pretty special place I 
I get asked a lot why why Oklahoma, but I mean I've been here for twelve years now. Yeah. Um, it it's just home. Um, it's a great place, easy to get around. Um, it's it's a lot cheaper the cost of living compared to the rest of the world yes. um, and the people are very welcoming and friendly yeah. so it's that's a great place to live I do wish we had more weekly competition comps here than, than we uh, like we have back home yeah that's the one it's, thing I miss about golf here exactly yeah it, it's a lot different to, to back home um, yeah we have a men's comp on Wednesday or Ladies comp on Tuesday, men's comp on Wednesday, ladies comp Thursday, yeah. and then men's comp Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. So I do miss that, but we also play a lot of money games and Wolf and stuff over here that right. at this point I'd rather just play for money. <laughs> Fair point. Uh, talking of golf, you also, uh, like myself, had your first Masters experience this year. Yeah. How was that? Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I wish I could go every year. <laughs> um, it was just amazing. Just the whole, just walking on the property for the first time. Everything is so big, open, extremely hilly. Um, you don't realize elevation. Like 10 is basically straight downhill, 18 and 9 are straight uphill. Um, over the years, I feel like TV and the picture has, has improved where you you see it a lot more than you used to back when we grew up, but nothing prepares you for it compared to being there in person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just the whole operation, log, log, logistics, like every, the thought of everything. Like you go, if you want a soda or a coffee or a beer or a sandwich, what, whatever it is, there'll be a hundred people in front of you and you're in and out in three and a half minutes. It is just unbelievable. I, for me, I couldn't believe how, like, yeah, how, how big the place is, but also how small some of the greens look. And even though they're not that small, like 15 green from the top of the hill looks tiny. That was the, so we walked in, we, we did our, so a few friends of mine have been there in the past and they said, as soon as you walk in, get your shopping done, uh -huh. get it out of the way. Yeah. Go buy a chair, go put it down on 16 green and then just walk around. So that's, that's what we did. We got out, spent way too much money, got our shopping, got that sent back home. Um, that's another really cool thing they do. Shipping stuff. The on. shipping. Yeah. You, you go do your yeah. shopping, you got bags full of gear, and then you just walk next door and ship it back home. Also, I know I spent money. I wish I'd have spent more seeing the resale price of some of the stuff. That's, what I, said, that's, what, I said to, that's what I said to Kelly. I was like, we spent... X amount of money, yeah, and I would spend ten times more next time, yeah. just knowing the resale value and yeah. just how exclusive everything is. Um, but yeah, uh, going back to the golf course, the, so we went down, put our chairs on the sixteenth green. So we were down there. We went on the Wednesday. Yeah. So practice round then par three in the afternoon. Which, if I had to, to, if my first experience, like knowing what I've just done. If I had to choose a day, I would always go back Wednesday. Yeah. There's less people on the golf course because I've already done a lot of the things on Monday and Tuesday, and they they're just going over to the par three waiting yeah. for the players. So you can walk around pretty easily on Wednesday. Yeah. But yeah, we watched Will Zalatoris and Cam Young. That was the first golf shots I've seen. Their second shot into 15, and they were both hitting. They hit a rescue or 
maybe a three iron and honestly the the green looked like a dinner plate yeah it was it was crazy and they both hit it to like I think Will hit it to like 12 feet and Cam hit it to like 4 feet from like 260. <laughs> it was it was pretty incredible. Because from up there, all you see is water, right? That's all you it see. It looks like an island green because mm-hmm. you've got water behind, which is close, but it's, you can get to it, but it's not really that close depending on if you, you know, get a yeah, I mean, bad balance. But obviously water is to the front. Right. But yeah. Yeah, it's I mean if you get the back if you fly the back of the green, hit the down slope with a three wood or a You're three done. iron, it's more than likely going in the water at the back. But you would you need to hit that, that yeah. landing zone to, to reach the water. Yeah. But that's all you see from the fairway is water. Yeah. So good. <laughs> yeah. The other thing we also do the same is we're both in the real estate world. Yeah. How do you get in the real estate world? So end of 2019, um, I was finishing golf. I was thinking of finishing uh, end of 2018 I wasn't playing very good I had a wrist injury my back was giving me trouble uh, Kelly and I discussed that and I really didn't know what I wanted to do next so she's like just go play another year if if that's what you want to do and uh-huh. we haven't figured it out stick with what you know um, during 2019 in that period um, Kelly's sister Jenny she got into real estate probably 18 months prior prior to me and I could tell that she was starting to have some success after the first 12 months and she was really enjoying it um, so she she we had many conversations she's like I think you should get your real estate license um, so she set up a meeting with my broker who you know uh, Malik Massad at Skybridge Real Estate um, so we set up a meeting, um, discussed that I knew nothing about real estate over <laughs> yeah. here, basically. Um, he, our company was, um, we have a real estate team, construction development team, and property management. Um, on our development side, we were starting to get ready for some big projects, and I don't think he really wanted to hire someone that didn't know anything about real estate. Just wasn't the right time or fit. So he, he basically said, um, "Go get your license. As soon as you've you've passed the test, give me a call and we'll see if we can do anything." Yeah. So so we met again and the next day he gave gave me a contract to sign and and I got in got into it. Yeah. So um, that was kind of my introduction to to real estate. Just watching Jenny, another good friend of mine, was was a realtor. Um, who's been on the podcast Denver Kitch um, prior to getting into his new business he, yeah. he, was, he was a realtor um, so I knew a little bit about the real estate game and and I thought I would like the lifestyle in terms of like playing a little bit of golf you can meet people network and just 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 work just continue to yeah. do what you've been doing yeah. right? I, instead of like making money start playing golf yeah, like, yeah. I, I think I really would have struggled just going from golf doing what I did yeah. for so long to going in an office for eight, uh, eight, eight to I five. tried it it I, was, didn't last long I just time. don't think that was a good fit for me yeah um, I could see Jenny was really enjoying what she was doing and mm-hmm. I thought you know what let's let's give it 12 months and see yeah. see how it would go yeah but, but that was another interesting time as well um, I got my license in I think it was 
February or January or February 2020. I got nice. in the got in the office six yeah. weeks and then COVID hit. Yeah. So welcome to real estate. I was I was freaking out for a minute. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. That's, I mean, it's worked out, right? Yeah. No, things things are great. Um, it's it's been wonderful. Yeah. I, the first four months were, were tough. Obviously, COVID. Um, that that was difficult. I didn't have any clients. You're just new in real estate. I'm not from here. Um, so, yeah, the, the first 12 months were, were tough. Yeah. It, it took, I think, nine months for my first sale. Uh-huh. And then as soon as that closed, it, it seemed to snowball. Right. So it was, it was, as soon as I closed that first first property, it, it, it picked up pretty yeah. pretty good. So with, with moving kind of with the golf stuff, can you get your AM status back and start playing? I can. Um, I've thought about it. I I would like to. Um, the reason I haven't is obviously being a PGM member. Um, oh, you got I, a lot of perks from that. I got a lot of perks and benefits okay. for, for that. Um, and also worked three or four years to try and try and get those. Sure. I just don't want to give those up. Yeah. Um, the last few years, I'll, I'll be honest, I wasn't enjoying golf. I didn't really want to play too much, uh-huh. and thankfully, business was good. Yeah, um, I didn't really have time. I probably played eight times in two years. Yeah, which is not a lot. Um, like competitively, that was total. Oh, total. Yeah, wow. two thousand twenty-one, twenty-two. I've, yeah. Honestly, when when we met, so this year is really picked up. This, this is, year, then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got the bug back. Got the bug back. I, yeah. I think I I just been I was playing golf competitively sure. and every day and yeah, I've yeah, done yeah. that for it's a job done for so long. Yeah. I just needed some time off to get away, do enjoy other things, spend time with Kelly. Yeah. Um, spend time on real estate. It's a new career. Um, and and obviously interest rates were low, so yeah, um, we were busy. Thank, thankfully, it was busy uh, yeah. during that first two years. So yeah. I didn't really have time for golf, but. Um, the last six months I've, I've played a lot more and right. I'm actually enjoying it good so. yeah I think that's the, that's kind of like the common thing for a lot of like players that, that have kind of gone through a situation right they've golf was a job and, and then they've stopped playing and you know you kind of go through that one to two year like reset period right. and then you like get the bug back and most of the people if most people haven't done their PGM right, right. so so they just get their AM states back and go play a US mid-am or yeah. US am yeah. and like start dominating the mid-am scene right, right. <laughs> that's Colin yeah no if if I didn't have my PGM membership I probably yeah. would have what, what benefits does that get you then over just being an AM then playing uh I mean, it's <laughs> it's more just um, access to like good clubs, okay, for free. Sure. Um, especially when I go back to Australia, I can just call and say, "Hey, I'm a yeah. PGA member." Would um, they even know if you dropped it, or be? Or is it because it's in Australia they'd know? Um, or even here, like they probably wouldn't. Yeah, but it's just principle. It's not something I would do. Yeah. Um, but but yeah it's, and like I said it's just it's something that I worked for three or four years to, to sure. get that um, now do I ever think I'd go back and be a head professional no um, but during that time I just wasn't playing any golf I, yeah. I wasn't thinking about the amateur the top amateur events and, yeah. and stuff so 
it's it's more in my mind now yeah i mean it's there's some great am events out there in the new elite amateur series yeah and, you know a lot of the mid-am events are in florida and at great places and you know like the u.s mid-am this year is at coil hollow yeah. i think no like, sleepy hollow like they always play these unbelievable golf yeah courses. and like i'm going to caddy for a friend at the usm in a couple of weeks and that's in denver at cherry hills i'm like yep yeah i want to play here you, you know i want to do this and i never did the pro thing right so i, I don't have to worry about getting that i just yeah. have to worry about being good enough to qualify yeah no, I, I probably should file for my amateur status because yeah, I was a pro for so long. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming it'll take two years, but yeah. um, I'm, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Well, dude, been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for sharing some stories. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Uh, for people listening, how do they find you? Instagram, whatever it is. Yeah. Website. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter. Yeah. Um, X. I'm with, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with Skybridge Real Estate uh, Development and Construction. So, yeah. Awesome. And if you're listening and you want to tee it up and take me and Corey on, you're welcome to come join us out here. Plenty of time. Bring your money. Let's uh, do it. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, share an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. This episode is brought to you by Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. Join us on August 11th at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum for a celebration of hope featuring guest speaker Tim Tebow and musical artist Ben Fuller. Find out more and get your tickets at hia10.com. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.